Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Celtics. Here I'm your host, Warren Shaw, alongside the great Gary Washburn. Hopefully not too tired from the, the Celtics' recent road trip, you know, but he's back in back at home, if you will, in Boston is here as we record here today. And as you all know, we are your host and resource for everything Celtics this season and all season. So, Gary, what's good for you, man? How, how was the road trip? How are you feeling, you know, being back home here before Thanksgiving? Yeah, everything's good. Uh, you know, road trip was fine. The Celtics uh, made it. You know, three and one record, but obviously that that one was probably a, one of the more disappointing, the more disappointing loss of the season. You can, you know, excuse losses at Minnesota and Philadelphia. Those are two good ball clubs. Yeah. Uh, the one at Charlotte, uh, obviously a little little sticky there. A little one that one that might uh, gnaw at them for a while. We'll see how they respond. But yeah, good road trip. And I said the Celtics are we're kind of advancing through the season. The playing tournaments kind of. Teams are starting to, you know, single themselves out, and, and you're starting to see some uh, some candidates for the quarterfinals. So, yeah, as December kind of closes out, the this, this season's uh, speeding up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and that, you know, that loss to Charlotte here as we record, um, if you're tuning in here with us, in between the big game against the Milwaukee Bucks, some people are saying, well, it's a schedule loss, you know, second night of a back-to-back, you know, last game of the road trip, no Derek White, no Al Horford, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but what up seven with a minute and a half to play or something like that too. Like it's just, that's it's, it's, it's a tough loss. I think in any way you slice it, but don't want to pick at this team, you know, too, too tough. Uh, this week's show, we're going to talk a little bit about the role delineation, um, the good, the, the looks that they're getting, I think more so offensively and talk a little bit about the road ahead here too, with, you know, three big games coming up here to kind of close out the week, Milwaukee, Orlando, and the Hawks teams that the magic, I mean, sorry, teams that the Celtics have a lot of history with one way or another. Um, even if it's recent history, when you, in, in the case of the Orlando magic and play in tournament, sorry, not play in tournament in season tournament implications in that one. But as always, make sure we do our plugs here. Follow me on Twitter at Shaw sports and Bay. Make sure you follow the great Gary Washburn at G Washburn globe. Follow believe at believe network and and or believe sports and make sure you give the believe in Celtics podcast a five-star rating. So Gary, we're going to jump right in here, man. No time to waste, um, you know, outside of the games, you know, we'll, we'll, and we'll kind of close it with, you know, the week ahead, but the role delineation here, you know, as I've been taking, taking stock of where, where the Celtics have been offensively, Tatum clearly is the guy, right? Fine. Taking the most shots, having a, still a, an all NBA type season, you know, probably MVP consideration, et cetera, et cetera, 28 points per game just over 50% shooting, fine. Porzingis is into the mix, and I thought for sure going into the season, he would be like by f- like way down there as a third option. But he's really kind of been closer to like a 2B, if, if you will, more than I even thought per se. But I want to get your perspective on it because there are some fans, you know, you know, quote unquote, chirping on X, I guess not Twitter, I keep saying Twitter, but on X now, that they're worried about Jalen and his shot diet. So... Mm-hmm. I'm con- I'm going concerned only in the aspect of, you know, doing some stuff in the losses. He played really well, you know, in that Minnesota game. Uh, but in the losses, you know, he's under 15 points, or, you know, per game in, in those and shooting roughly 35%. What are you seeing from the, the shot die that Jalen Brown is getting in general? And is offensive delineation any bit of a concern for the Celtics in this early part of the season? Yeah, Warren, I do think it's a concern. I've seen from Jalen... Um, kind of the 
kind of the closed-mindedness. And what I mean by that is, is that feeling like the best way, the only way you can contribute is by scoring. Hmm. So when it comes down to it and, you know, I'll take, you know, the Charlotte game, for example, five from 17 from the field, um, you know, took some ill-advised three-pointers, two attacks of the rim on Mark Williams. One, he got fouled. The other one, just Williams snuffed him. Snuffed him, yeah. Yeah, right at the rim. Um, You know, I think Jalen has to understand that there's more ways he can help the team than to score. And I think that he's definitely got the, well, it's my turn now. Let me, let me, let me hit a three, right? Let me make a big play. Let me, let me slam on somebody. Let me get to the rim. And, you know, I think people can point to the Charlotte, to the Charlotte game where Porzingis, the the play where, you know, Williams kind of, uh, leaked out on him and contested a three and Porzingis, you could see him kind of waving his hands like, hey, I'm open. And all Jalen needed to do was kind of throw it, you know, whether it be a bounce pass, some get the ball past Williams into Porzingis. And it's probably an easy two. Instead, Jalen takes a contested three. He was 0 for 5 from three. So it obviously didn't go in. And people are kind of wondering, well, what the hell's going on with him? And I just think he's trying to figure out a way to contribute and I think he needs to understand that he can contribute with rebounding, defense, you know, getting a key steal. You know, he's played, you know, he's got six offensive rebounds all year. So he's not, you know, things like that, things that, that can help the team get extra possessions. You know, you could say that Monday's game was Tatum's night. He had 45 points. Sure. You know, he was on from the three. You know, it was funny. He took one three-pointer against Memphis and took a season-high 15 threes against Charlotte. So he's trying to make a point. But I think Jalen just has to figure out where the heck he can fit in. And, you know, and I think he's trying to get himself going. He's trying to be that guy, you know. Um, and his averages aren't bad, Warren. I mean, you know, I mean, he aver- he's averaging – slow Jalen is 20 points a game, yeah. right? Like, in, you know, he averaged 25 a game the first three. And in November, he's averaged 20 points a game. So if this is slow Jalen or struggling Jalen, then that's a good thing that he he can pick it up. And But I don't think he's going to average, you know, I think he was 26.3 a game last year. I don't think he's going to reach that. You know, you got too many other options. You've got Tatum, obviously, Porzingis, a very emerging and improving Derek White. And then you've got um drew holiday who can also put the ball in the basket and now you know the emergence of a guy like sam hauser who's going to get his shots too as long as he's making those shots so i think jalen has to figure out where he fits in and i think it's obviously we're we're 14 games of the season it's going to take it's more of a process than 14 games and so i think there's reason for concern but i think he can figure it out but i think he needs to understand that there's more to do to help the team win than just putting the ball in the hole, especially on nights worn when you're not, it's not, might not be your night offensively. He's been a very streaky three point shooter in Washington a couple weeks ago. He just couldn't miss. And then there's times where he's just like, okay, let me, let me me try to get myself going, you know? Um, But I, I thought last night was a, sorry, Monday night was a discouraging performance considering just like I just felt like and he got in foul trouble five fouls 
you know, about a third quarter. So I think he came into the game and it was six minutes left, seven minutes left, and was like, okay, let me make an impact. Let me let me get us. Let me get us this way. So I don't think yeah. it's him trying to, you know, get on the all-star team or or get some <laughs> incentive numbers on his contract. He's already got his money. I think he he figures this is the best way I know how to help us win. And that mentality needs to shift to, okay, let me stop my man. Let me get a couple of boards. Let me get a steal. Let me turn into kind of a Drew Holiday-like player where I can do a little bit of everything, not ill-advised threes. Um, okay, I'm going to dunk on the whole team. and That's just not going to get it done. There's nights that will work, and it looks great, and it will make Center and other nights like Monday where it doesn't help your team win. You know, Gary, you touched on a lot there, and I want to kind of even circle back. And, and I don't want to just pick the low-hanging fruit, but I think we'd be remiss as as people who cover the team and are in this business to at least not ask the question in terms of the contract. I, it's it's very rudimentary, I think, right? But I I heard Joe speaking in the beginning of the year, and he's like, well, the step that he wanted to see Jalen and, and Jason take specifically was really from a leadership standpoint, voice in the locker room, getting ready to you know kind of be like Al, I guess, in whatever capacity – but also allowing that to, you know, kind of permeate their leadership throughout the course of the team, not necessarily having to do it statistically, because as you alluded to, there are more options there, right? And so you're right, his numbers are comparatively, if you look at the eye test, they're not, they're not bad. But I think, you know, trying to understand the role delineation and can, does he know how to do the other things now, now that he's got this larger contract, is the expectations like, well, Sure, you're the highest paid player in the NBA, so you have to shoot, you know, 20 plus shots a game and you have to impact it from an offensive side of the basketball. Where, what are your thoughts there or in terms of what have you heard in terms of how that's been communicated to Jalen or is he kind of internalizing it himself and how the only way that he can produce is offensively? Yeah, honestly, Warren, I just haven't heard as much about the size of the contract as I thought it would. I, I think people understand that he's highly paid, but it was just his time and there's going to be players coming up over the next – 12 months, it's going to be Jason's time. And suddenly Jalen's not going to be the highest paid player in the league, you know, but I think there's a lot of pressure on Jalen internally and outside the, 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 the game seven last year against Miami where Jason sprained his ankle and it was kind of up to Jalen and Jalen had nine turnovers and just looked completely overwhelmed by the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the ball handling issues, the, the constantly getting ripped, constantly dribbling the ball, in front of somebody and they just stick their hand out or losing, you know, or there was a play in Memphis that, um, you know, it was a two on three and Jason was on his right and Jalen decides he's going to take all three defenders on and try to get to the rim. He missed the layup and it's just like, and it, and it leads to, uh, I think a Memphis three, you know, on, on the outlet. It was just like, you know, here's Jason on the right, like, give me the ball or I'll either shoot it or I'll figure out. And Jalen's like, no, 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 I got this. I'm going to score on three guys. And it's just like that kind of decision-making might be the byproduct of maybe him putting pressure on himself to think he's got to perform. But those are the decisions that just can't happen consistently. You know, he's an eighth year in the league now, so he's a vet. You know, this is not – young guy anymore bull in a china shop Jalen who uh came right out of Cal and was just kind of like that guy didn't know really how to con control himself in terms of you know going to the basket he was just like hey I'm a, I'm 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 a, I'm a dunk on everybody and the league was the league doesn't 
you know, you can't do that. This league is too smart of defenders. The guys are going to rip you. They're going to reach in. They're going to take a charge, whatever. So you, you've got to do, you've got to attack the rim in a controlled environment, controlled way, manner of what I mean. Um, and so I think Jalen's making some of those decisions and it's just like, he's got to try to get himself going, but it's not mm-hmm. working. And well, it's let, not, let, and, let me, let, let me pause you there though, right? So only in the aspect of you said it, he's got to get himself going. Can the C's do a better job of getting him good looks? But he seems to be a person who wants at least he has to put it on the ground. He's he's got to bounce it and try to make a play. Not necessarily he's not going to be a catch and shoot guy per se. But even in some some aspects, even if he's creating space, so you're know, pulling up some stats from maybe.com or whatever the case would be. This year, he's 35% on shots that are considered to be wide open and 45% on shots that are just considered to be open. So for context, four to six defenders, four to 16 front and running or six feet and further for, from you from when you're releasing the shot last year, 50% or above on all of those types of things. So that's just, again, from his own shot diet, but can the Celtics do a better job of getting him better shots? Or is it clearly about his, his, his decision-making here and the shots that he's taking himself? I think they can do a better job too. Yeah. They can, they can, they can make it, make him, you know, bring him, uh, give him opportunities in turns early in games. And I think that they're, I think they're trying to mm-hmm. um, more, but I also think Jalen is getting off to kind of some, there's times he's getting off to a slow start. There's times he's getting off to fast starts and then it tails off and he's trying to get it back. Um, I don't think Jalen is being like a rebel in the offense where he's just like, Hey, there's Porzingis right there. And it's like, no, 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 man, I'm going to take this, contested 18 footer i know you're open right under the basket i think he's trying to make the right play but he's also figuring hey i need to score too um so i think i just think it's going to be a matter more of just getting more comfortable and probably getting the message across that hey Jalen, you don't need to do everything every and he said it we've asked him before repeatedly like and he's like yeah it's gonna not going to be always be my night so i think he understands that i think he understands that there's going to be night Derek gets 26, 27 points. There's going to be night Chris Stapps. Porzingis gets 27, 8, 20, 30 points. Tatum's always going to get his 28 to 30, right? So, and then there's going to be night maybe Peyton Pritchard, Sam Hauser. So it's not always going to be Jalen. I just think in a game like Monday, he tri- he just tried to force a situation when, you know, you needed – and every possession was – was key down the stretch because they were trying to close out a game. They couldn't close out the game. And then in overtime, say this ill-advised three-pointer, you know, him, you know, him just trying to make a play on a night where offensively he just didn't have it. And the, the question is we need to ask ourselves and they need to ask, like, do you keep trying Warren? Do you keep, when, when when you're two for 18, do you keep shooting? Or do you say, this is not my night, I'm going to do other things, or I'm going to get to the rim and get to the free throw line. I'm going to stop, stop taking threes. You know, I'm 0 for 8, I'm going to stop taking threes. Or do you take the mentality of, you know, do you take the Steph mentality? The ninth is going in. You know, that's the thing that I think a lot of, you know, it's, it's confusing, you know, because – in Toronto, Jason was one for 11 from the three-point line. You know, he was chucking them, you know, and and, and they they held, held on to win. Jason wasn't very good. 
You know, the question is, I think that they, this team needs to understand when you put so much of an emphasis on threes, how, when do you say to yourself, okay, like it ain't my night, Yeah. you know, or I'm going to do other things. And I think Jalen has got to figure out when is it not his night to, to, Hey, I'm not going to take this 27 footer. Now I've seen him in shoot arounds, practices, knocking them down. Boom, boom, boom. You know, so it's not like he's not taking them with confidence or he can't hit them. It just ain't, it just ain't your night. You know, Chris Stapps, what we found about with the Celtics is there's a lot of streaky three-point shooters on this team. I don't know if there's an elite shooter from the three on this team. If you if you can say Jason, Jason's having a good year. I think he was 40% uh, before that one for 11. I don't know what his percentage is now. 38. Yeah. So he was 40, and then he went one for 11. Chris Stapps, you know, is, is you know, Drew, all, all the guys are – streaky and can have one of those nights seven for eight they can do that but they can also go two for ten two for eleven so the question i think the entire roster has to ask themselves like do we keep shooting threes especially in these close games when possessions are all the more important you're trying to you got a close game or you know in 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 Threes in rhythm too, or you've seen it. Yeah. Like, is it just a pull up off a fast break, or is it like uh, you know the ones that let's say Hauser gets pass in the flow? You know, he was one for nine, but you, if you look at the nine, they're all really good looks. looks. Yeah, like you're not saying to yourself, "Don't take that." You're just saying to yourself, "He just ain't he ain't got it tonight." You know, it, it's it's a tricky situation because this team likes to shoot threes. I think all their shooters feel like they're really good three-point shooters, and they're not always good three-point shooters. I think you said it best, right? They're they're streaky, and they're, I wouldn't say there's elite shooting on on this roster. Guys, are capable shooters, but not elite shooters. And I think you know that it's it's a catch twenty-two if you are going to play that play that card because you're right, it can go, it can really can kind of go either way, you know? So we don't want to disparage Jalen here on, on the show, just, you know, in terms of just something to, to keep our eye on here. Um, and I think you're right from what you said earlier is, well, this is a bad start. <laughs> There's really kind of only where to go from up. Right. And Boston can going to get even more efficiency from that. And I think from my standpoint too, that was the one thing maybe I'm a little bit surprised of, is that the overall efficiency hasn't been there kind of across the board for Jalen specifically, you know, with Porzingis there, you figured you get more efficient and better looks overall. But if you're consciously making decisions to go up against the defense, not necessarily trying to make a highlight play, but just because, Hey, you believe in your talent in that, then, you know, you're going to have maybe some, some porous results. So I hope some of the coaching, some of the game situations, understanding that, Hey, like you said, we can do some other things here too. Um, can allow Jalen to kind of find his rhythm a little bit more offensively because right now shooting 44% shot 49% last year. So, you know, that's really like a shot more a game going in and that percentage kind of goes up. So, you know, we you know, don't want to like I said disparage him too, too much here on that one before we move on. Well, actually, actually, as we move on here, Gary, want to get your thought because something that you were concerned about going into the road trip was the play of the bench. Just, you know, quick synopsis. Let's tap in on that real quick. What did you see from the bench? Any improvement from, you know, in that four-game road trip? Obviously, Charlotte was was a tough one there, too. More guys got to play because, you know, White and, and Horford were out, so to speak. So a result of, you know, a byproduct of guys 
just Missoula needing to go kind of go to them. But what was your overall impression of the bench during that four-game road trip? Yeah, well, I thought they – I thought it was encouraging in terms of, like, Peyton Pritchard had some some standout games. Obviously, the Charlotte game, he was very good. Yeah. And he's just got to start hitting shots. Hauser didn't do so well, obviously, being a starter on Monday. But I think he had his moments, too. And I think Missoula is trying to flush out who – to play. Like, I think he's got guys like, you know, it, it's kind of funny. You'll just suddenly they'll see, you know, I think the start of a, the fourth quarter in Memphis, all of a sudden he throws Lamar Stevens in and it's just like, okay. Uh, you know, and you know, he, he, he gave key to some minutes, uh, first minutes of the season in Memphis. Um, O'Shea Brissett, uh, Shvi Machalik, you know, it's to me, I think he's got to figure out a rotation and, you know, can you go to those guys every third or fourth game and hope they produce? You can, but I think he's got to get a reliable rotation of like eight or nine guys. And now, you know, so you have Horford off the bench when they're whole, when White's back and all that, uh, Pritchard and Hauser. So who is that ninth guy? Or do you want to go 10? Okay. Um, you know, I think that I don't know how well, how much Mahalo, um, Stevens, Brissett are going to help you without consistent, like playing every third or fourth game. I just don't know. Any of the reps. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's productive. I think, I think Stevens and, uh, Brissett can get your rebounds, hustle plays, defense. Mahalo's got to be able to get out there and shoot. He hit a key three. In Monday's game, came off the bench, you know, um, hit a three, you know. So I think they've got to figure out. Then they got to figure out the Cornette aspect. Is Cornette really helping them? Uh, is he getting rebounds? Is he producing as a backup big? Or do you go to Keita and give him some more minutes because he seems to be a better kind of defender, also uh, more tenacious with the rebounding? Yeah, you know, just the guy who who was going to have more of a force in the paint, because I think as much as we uh, Cornette is a, um, you know, plays hard and, and and can do the right things here and there, set a screen. You know, he's not going to get you. He's not going to get a whole bunch of boards. He's not going to get a whole bunch of blocks. There's going to be times he's going to be out of position. Um, you know, there was a I think there was an example someone pointed out. Where he did the Hornet, the, the Cornet contest last against Charlotte, and then put himself out of position for the offensive rebound, and then uh, for the re- for the defensive rebound, and someone, you know, the Charlotte got the the offensive rebound off the missed uh, shot, and I think put it back in, and because Cornet was way out of position, so I think what you're going to have to do is, is Missoula needs to do is to figure out a rotation, and that yeah. could take another 10, 15 games. You know, I don't think he's doing anything wrong, but I don't know how much production you're going to get from the bench, Warren, when you're kind of go- throwing in guys randomly. Yeah, some of, this, some, some of this, some of this is random. Like it's just like, whoa, okay, Lamar Stevens to start the second quarter. Uh, okay, you know, and then you won't see Stevens again. I don't know how much you're going to get from those guys, giving them six minutes here, two minutes here. Um, they need to get reps. So you got to make a decision. If you want to go 11 deep, you know, you can, you know, generally NBA coaches do not like to go that deep. They like to go nine, eight to nine, 
Um, but if you feel like your depth is that good, then you know what? You, you, you got to carve out some minutes for those guys. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I mean, most teams, most teams I'd say are, are playing nine to 10 guys a night here, especially in part of the season, as they're trying to figure out their rotation. We've seen many nights where he's kept that at a tight eight. And so yeah. uh, really trying to figure out how these guys can contribute. And I think you're a thousand percent right. The reps are needed in essence to be able to gain some level of consistency and see how the lineups play together. But spot minutes here, like, all right, like you said, four minutes here in, 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 in a close game over fourth quarter. All right. We didn't like it. And they sit down, you know, that's not a way to instill and build confidence. So again, not trying to criticize per se, but just questioning, I think to some degree, you know, the rotations to some, to some level and see how that could potentially get, get better moving forward. So we're going to make this one, you know, a, a, a quick one here on believe in Celtics here right before the holidays. But before we wrap um, three games that we were talking about ahead, Milwaukee, Orlando, and, and Atlanta, different implications. Um, when, as I said, in the outset, uh, Milwaukee simply because they're considered to be the, the, the biggest rival to the Celtics here in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, Miami's still looming in this conference, and they are the def- defending Eastern Conference champions, so no disrespect to them. Um, Orlando, who had their number last year um, and has been playing very well this year as, as far too, that length, that size seems to have bothered the Boston Celtics. And Atlanta, you know, a former playoff team that they played against last year and had, I wouldn't say trouble with, but some, you know, some hiccups, you know, in, in that. Um, as Atlanta's maybe a slightly, slightly changed roster. But as you look to the week ahead, starting with the big game, um, as we're recording here, you know, tomorrow night against the Milwaukee Bucks, we, I think you and I have both been around long enough. There's no messages that can be sent here, right? We, we, we understand what that is. But in any capacity, is this just one of 82? Or there, there's, there's a little something to this game, right? There's a little something that, hey, you want to just kind of see what the other, what the other team has because you're expecting to see them somewhere down the playoff line. Yeah, exactly. You just want to see the matchups, how obviously the Bucks are a different team now. Obviously with Damian Lillard, no Drew Holiday. Holiday's on the Celtic side. Um, you know, they're playing guys like Marjan Beachup, more minutes. Jay Crowder's hurt. Um, you know, they're a veteran team. You know, they're going with, you know, Malik Beasley's a guy who's kind of emerged as their, 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 their two guard or, you know, a guy who could knock down some shots. Um and it was become maybe like a, a third score for them, uh, obviously behind Giannis and Lillard. So I just think, yeah, it's fascinating. It's just going to be fascinating. Who guards Lillard? Is it is it strictly Holiday? You know, uh, who who's you know? I think Derek White, um, according to the injury report, the Celtics had no injuries um, to report. So it, it sounds like Derek White will be back uh, for this game, which I think is big because I think it gives another defender. Uh, to Lillard, I just think it's all figured. Okay, how we all match up with each other? You know, who's how does Lopez guard? You know, deal with uh, Porzingis? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. where does Bobby Portis fit into here? Pat Connaughton. Um, you know, where where are these guys? Who who fits who? Where's you know? I just think it's kind of a feeling out process because both teams have had you know some dramatic changes in the offseason. Obviously, Milwaukee is taking the uh, several notches back defensively. They are winning. But they're allowing a lot of points, or you know, one forty-three, one twenty-nine against the Wizards. You know, they're they're outscoring teams. You know, they're putting the points up, but they're also allowing a lot of points. They're playing a lot of shootouts. So, is that what we're uh, in store for? A shootout? Uh, do, are the Celtics defensively good enough to hold Milwaukee to one hundred ten, something like that, and win one twenty-five, one ten? Like, we'll see. You know. Um, because obviously, you know, we know Giannis is probably going to get his 30 and, and Lillard is probably going to get his, 
probably going to get his uh, 28 to 32 uh, in, in addition. So who, how do the other guys contribute? So I think it's fascinating, Warren, more of like a fill-out process. Obviously, they play a few more times this season. But just, okay, let's see what you got. You'll see what we got, um, and we'll see you down the road. Yeah, I, I agree a thousand percent there. Again, not reading too much into it, but it is a, a big game as far as regular season games goes, especially this early on. So checking it out, as you alluded to, just to kind of get a sense for how some of the matchups may, may play themselves out. But hopefully nobody tries to prove something, if you will. <laughs> it's just like, hey, it's it's a game. We got to get it. You try to get that W, um, but a long season ahead of you for, for sure. Moving forward to the in-season in-season tournament game against Orlando Magic, we talked talked a little bit about this last week on last week's show. Orlando again does play the the, the Celtics well, but this has some implications. I guess Boston can clinch their their quarterfinal berth in this in-season tournament. I think yeah. we're going to be three and zero. So um, any, I know we talked in like they're not paying a whole lot of attention to it, but as we now get a little bit closer and it starts to become a little bit more real any fervor to that game against the, the magic on uh, black Friday. Yeah. Warren, I think it's a message game. I mean, obviously remember Orlando coming into Boston and winning twice in a couple over, you know, three days, uh, the matchup problems. They went out to Orlando. I think they took the first game at Orlando, then lost the last three. So I think the, the message is taken. They, they're not going to take the magic lightly and the magic are off to an eight and five start. Uh, they're one of the better defensive teams in the NBA and, they got nothing but size with, you know, Banchero and Isaac and and those guys, the, the Wagner brothers and, uh, you know, Suggs and, you know, Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz. So they got talent, you know. I think people are kind of kind of overlooking them because obviously, I mean, Banchero is a star in a sense, but he's not, the, you know, he's not Wimby. He's not the guy that you're going to just, you know, you're going to you're going to stick in your seats to to watch him play. 40 minutes, you know, he's not that super duper star yet. I mean, he's, he's a solid player, but I think very seriously they'll take this. And then now with the in-season tournament war, I think it would be a major disappointment now. They took care of their first two games. They're major disappointment. They didn't make it. So now I think they know, they realize, like, if they get one, like, if they get one or two, they're in. I mean, just Orlando or Chicago, they're in. The team that has the most wins is Brooklyn. They beat Brooklyn in a head-to-head, so they've got that. Yeah. So they'd have to lose their final two um, not to make it, and they still could maybe make it with point differential or whatever. But they, I think they realize what's what's at stake. They they probably, you know what, let's do this, man. Let's go to Vegas. Like, let's let's let, let's be one of these teams. You know, let's see what we got here. Just uh, the lights. Now, I think Indiana is one of those teams that has a shot, and I think yeah. New Orleans – uh, as a team that it, it could be close. So it's going to be some interesting teams in the quarterfinal round, Warren. But I think the Celtics feel like now, okay, like we've won on the road, you know, we've beaten Brooklyn, and now let's get at least get one of these two. And let's, especially depending on what happens to Milwaukee, you don't, you know, if you're going in there with a two game losing streak, you don't want to be a three, you know, you don't want to yeah. be three. Um, so I think they'll play with some desperation in that game. And, and, and I think there'll be a sigh of relief if they clinch it already. So the, the Chicago game doesn't have as much significance, um, you know, and then they get, obviously we talked about the Atlanta game, a tricky game. The, the Hawks are, are playing pretty decently this season too. Uh, the East is not easy, Warren. Their schedule has not been easy, you know. And so when you lose to a game like Charlotte, a team you should beat and could have beaten and would have, 
you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, but a team that you should beat. I mean, they should be pretty embarrassed that they lost that game up up nine with two minutes left. Um, it could cost you because there's a lot of parity in the East, and the East is no, you know, you got, you got your Detroit's and you got some of these teams, but you also got teams that are pretty, you know, the Indianas and Atlantas and some of these teams. Toronto, we've seen that, you know, they're not a bad club, and you know, uh. You see them, and and you know, and so you gotta you gotta beat the bad teams. And the Celtics have, over the last several years, have had trouble with some of these teams that were, were struggling. So let's see if they can, you know, uh, mount a little run here. And obviously, the last game before the whole playing is Philadelphia at home. So uh, the schedule does not get any easier. Yeah, schedule makers are weird. Three games with Philadelphia in the first twenty games, like that. Yeah, bananas. But. I guess you don't know, got to see them later on. <laughs> you know, when you knock it out early, one way or the other. Well, that'll do it here for this week's edition of Believe in Celtics here, brought to you by, you know, the Great Believe Network. Uh, make sure you follow Gary on G Wash at G Washburn Globe on X. Follow me at Shaw Sports NBA. And we wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving, man. We'll be back with y'all, see how things go with this Celtics team. Everybody have a happy Thanksgiving, y'all. We'll catch y'all next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.